Hey there, this is Brian. I'm the host of the Engaging Missions show. If you've found this show for the first time, I did want to take a second to let you know that this show is not currently in production. You're certainly welcome to check out all of the archives, but we don't have new episodes coming out at the moment. However, I did want to take a second to highlight one of the sponsors that sponsored the show a while ago. They're not currently sponsoring the show, but if you're looking for a place to invest in the kingdom, I'd recommend checking out Mega Voice Audio Bibles. You can find them at megavoice.com, or you'll find a link in the show notes, and I would encourage you to just check that out and see if maybe that's a fit for your giving. There's no compensation here or anything like that. I just wanted to highlight them. And with that, I'll get you back into the regular program. Hi, this is Jenny Beth Gardner with the Transformational Education Network called 10-3, and you're listening to the Engaging Missions Radio Show. Welcome to the Engaging Missions Show with Brian Ensminger. We are bringing missions home. Each week, we hear from missionaries, ministry leaders, disciple makers, and church planters as they share about God's work in their lives and ministries. Like us, they are ordinary people who serve an extraordinary God. Ladies and gentlemen, here's your host, Brian Ensminger. Hi there, and welcome to the Engaging Missions Show. I'm really glad to have you. In this week's episode, we're going to talk about a five-year-old hearing from God, about a recent father-daughter trip to Myanmar, and about how to balance wisdom with obedience in potentially dangerous situations. I'm also going to offer some additional resources to you, some updates, and then also a little teaser from the Foundational Missions Leadership Moment, which is another podcast I think you should really check out. If you haven't guessed already, we are continuing our series on involving children in ministry. And I have a special page set up just for this series if you go to engagingmissions.com slash children in ministry. That's where you'll find links to all of the all of the episodes in this series. And then also, when it's all done, I'm planning to make the whole series available as a single download if you're interested in grabbing that. And to make sure that you don't miss that, you'll want to sign up for the email newsletter. You can do that right on that page. Uh, when you get that newsletter, you'll normally get updates about the show and maybe some questions here and there, things to help improve the show. But also, when that series is available as a single download, I'll make sure to let you know. So that's what you'll want to do. Show notes for today's episode are at engagingmissions.com slash Sean and Mayan. With that, we're going to get right into this week's episode. All right, let's get started. Today, we have with us Sean and Mayan Steckbeck, and this is really exciting to me for a number of reasons. First, I've known Sean for a really long time, and it's just great to catch up with him, to talk to him and his daughter about what's going on, but we're also continuing our series on involving children in ministry, and they just returned maybe two months ago or so from a short-term trip to Myanmar, which was formerly known as Burma. Now, if you've been with the show for a while, you might remember a few weeks ago we had Justin and Josiah Steidinger on the show, and they referenced another family that went with them. This is that other family, so we're kind of getting both sides of the story. So, Sean and Mayan, it's great to have you. Welcome to the show. Thank you. So, Sean, as you as you think about your life and your ministry, you know, you've been where you are and doing what you're doing for, my goodness, probably a decade and a half now. Have you always had your children involved in, in ministry, or is that kind of a recent development? Always. My daughter said always. <laughs> great. <laughs> and as you think about that, you know, when we say always, I guess I do want to kind of paint an appropriate picture. As as one-year-old, a two-year-old, were they involved then, or when did you start involving your kids? Well, 
Um, my dad used to take us every, almost everywhere he went, well, everywhere he could, and we used to go with him, and like one of the stories was my brother was only two years old, and we went to this place, I don't remember where it was, and this lady had a big tumor on her neck, and my brother just laid his hand on her and said, um, in Jesus' name, life, life, and, in Hebrew, and the tumor just went away. And shrunk in his hands. So there's a couple things that um, when I was in Bible school, I went to an amazing revival called the Browns of a Revival. And I was in the school of ministry for this revival. And one of the highlights of this revival was its uh, children's ministry and how the children were operating under the power of the Holy Spirit. And so uh, from this, I've, I've always learned that the children don't have a Holy Spirit junior, that we should always involve them in everything we do. And they have the same Holy Spirit as we do. I remember seeing them weep and travail in the Browns Revival, get visions, pray for people to be healed, and they involved the children completely in ministry. And that was a good example for me. But uh, I remember one, I just wanted to tell one quick story about when my aunt was five years old. Okay. Uh, she's embarrassed a little bit sometimes about this story, but that's Okay. <laughs> So once, Mayan, uh, we were living in Beersheba at the time in Israel, and and my wife was outside and she was praying about something, and she uh, we both pray in uh, prayer language, we pray in tongues, and while my wife was praying in tongues, my daughter was sitting there eating a popsicle, and she was five years old, and when she was eating the popsicle, she suddenly said, Mommy, I know what you're saying. Hmm. And we said, "How do you know what she, uh, your uh, mom? How do you know what we're saying?" And she goes, "Jesus told me." <laughs> and we said, "What did Jesus tell you?" We expected something very childish, like Jesus loves you, you know, something like that. And she said, "Jesus told me that the power of Christ in me is stronger than the death of this world." Wow. And it, that blew us away. And I think since that time, my aunt, like spirit, her spiritual gifts have been developed. Uh, we've tried to develop the spiritual gifts in all of our kids, understanding that it's a powerful witness when children are able to take part with, in ministry and in discipleship with you. You know, as, as the two of you have been sharing, there are really kind of two things that have popped into my head. And part of this is I think that when we talk about involving children in ministry, at least from a North American context, we probably have a picture of, you know, getting a kid on the platform and having them sing or something like that. But what you're talking about seems to be something a lot more organic, a lot more just bringing kids along, having you know your one-year-old, your two-year-old there with you. And the other thing that really struck me because of the story that you shared about Mayan, and I, I really appreciate this, is that it's so easy to be dismissive of the work of God in a child, maybe because we think that they're just making things up or things like that. But that's really not the approach that I see going in your life. Personally, as I'm looking at my own life, I'm examining myself while you're talking, going, do I, am I doing that to my daughter? Am I dismissing what she's doing? So I really appreciate you sharing that. What, what other kinds of things has God shown you as you've involved your kids uh, more and more in ministry? Today, many kids, I think, fall away from the Lord in their teens, in their, you know, when they, become, when they go off to college. And one of the things that the Lord has shown me is that 
our goal is also to train our kids the way in the ways of the Lord, but it's also to give them an experience with the Lord that they that their childhood memories will be those of experiencing the presence of the Holy Spirit, operating in the power of the Spirit, and operating in what it means to to obey Jesus's commands. And when they experience that, I think that uh, from a very young age. Uh, uh, their development, their spiritual development, is has a foundation that can't be torn down. Wow, that that's really good. I mean, that's that's a huge why right there. Why involve your kids? That's that's really big. As you think about how you've moved forward and, and involving your children in ministry, have there been any fears or any roadblocks you've had to overcome or get around? Well, I think I'm going to let Mayan share about one fear she had. I mean, we okay. go into some pretty rough areas. Sometimes places that your normal person would even, you know, even a brave person would be afraid to go in to make disciples. And I took my daughter along and she's going to share that experience. Well, this was when I was like four year old. He took me and my brother. We went as a family. We used to go into the villages in Hebron, the Muslim villages, and just give out food and clothes and play with them and share the gospel. And so I remember, like, having a little fear through that because there were lots of stuff that used to happen in places like that. But after, like, a week or a couple days, I immediately just went over that fear because we used to go there a lot. So that was really awesome. And I want to also clarify about her story that we're a Jewish family. My wife is Jewish. My kids are Jewish. They're Israeli. And so for them to go into a Palestinian Muslim village to share the gospel, of course, it doesn't take a rocket science to know the dynamics, especially in a place like uh, the West Bank in Hebron, um, for a Jewish person to go in, especially bring your children. So, so that can bring some context to some of the fear that Mayan overcame. And I'm looking at that and I'm thinking, you know, as a parent, if I were in your situation, I would probably have some concern about taking my kids with me as well. Did you also have to deal with that kind of thing? There are times that I will not bring her in when it's really rough. Um, And, you know, like right now, it's a really rough period uh, in that area. But yeah, I would say that, yes, but I want my kids to see a life of faith. I want my kids to not be ruled by fear. And I have to also give that to them as an example, that we are people of boldness. We are people that are brave and people that, that even if we have fears, because we have fears, fear is very normal. I have fears. I have still fears going in some places sometimes, but it's showing them not an example of not being fearless, but overcoming fear. I think it is. Wow, that, that's great. As you think about what you've been doing and pouring your, your life into your kids and sharing your life of faith, you've already shared a little bit about this, but what are the kinds of things that you want to see in their lives 10, 20, 30 years from now? I would love to see them, you know, I really believe in a multi-generational family legacy. Uh, today we have on television and and in Hollywood, they portray family legacy, it's kind of brought out in a bad light. Like, you know, my dad was a doctor. I want, he wanted his son to be a doctor, but his son wanted to be a lawyer. Mm-hmm. And in the end of the story, the, the father lets the son be a lawyer. And it kind of breaks down the ideal of 
a multi-generational family legacy. Now, I do want to provide a platform where my kids can flourish wherever they're at, but I want our family legacy 20, 30 years. So I want them to be doing the same things I'm doing, no matter what their career is. I want to see them making disciples. I want to see them healing the sick. I want to see them multiplying house churches and what we call micro churches. I want to see them obey Jesus in everything they do, and I want that to be a legacy not only for them in 20 or 30 years to come, but for my grandchildren, my great-grandchildren. So providing family rhythms, I think, is very important to to see that coming in 20 to 30 years to come. Wow, that's great. And I, I didn't expect to go here. In fact, I was actually thinking about just kind of closing out this section, but you mentioned family ry- rhythms. And I'm just wondering, between the two of you, would you mind sharing, just kind of peel back the, the onion, so to speak, and share with us a little bit about what those family rhythms look like for your family? Well, I'll share one and then I'll give my aunt some ideas. Well, we have one of our family rhythms is Shabbat. Because we're a Jewish family, a Messianic Jewish family, we keep the Shabbat. And on Friday nights, we do what we call Kiddush, which is taking, which is eating bread and drinking wine and welcoming in the Sabbath through actually Jewish liturgy. But when we do this, we also take the Lord's Supper and we apologize to one another so that there's no bitterness between us. So one of the family rhythms is Shabbat and the Lord's Supper together as a family on a weekly basis. So another family rhythm is like in Israel, when people think about someone that is a believer in Jesus, they think of a Christian and they say he won't celebrate all the Jewish holidays. So in our family, every year we celebrate it like every Jew and we don't make a difference. The only difference we do make is that in the story of that, we check what happened in the New Testament in that time. And then every time we study that again and again every year. Oh, that, that's good. So with that, we're going to go ahead and take a quick break and we're going to shift our focus when we can come back and we're going to uh, focus a little bit more on the more recent trip to Myanmar. Hey, this is Jim from Doing Ministry Well. If you're enjoying the Engaging Missions podcast like I do, we'd be honored if you check out our show too at doingministrywell.com. That was Jim Baker of Doing Ministry Well. He's the host of another podcast that I'd really recommend you check out. I think that it's great. It's one that I listen to. Now, at the time that I'm recording this, he's currently on a short break. He's been on a break for a couple of months working on improving the quality of his show, but he still has several episodes available for download right now, and then in a couple of weeks, he's going to have some new stuff up. So you'll want to check that out at doingministrywell.com. Now, I did mention that I also had a couple of resources for children. The first one I want to talk about, and I've mentioned this in previous episodes, is Jumpstart 3. This is some stuff that's put together by Jeff McCullough. He's an internet friend, somebody I've never actually met in person, but I love what he's doing because he's helping families pour scripture into the lives of their children using song and motion and devotionals. I've got a quick little piece that I've pulled out of one of his songs that I want to play for you, just so you'll have a little bit of an idea of the style. And then I'm going to recommend that if you want to know more, you check out jumpstart3.com. That's jumpstart and the number 3.com. With that, I'm going to play a little bit from one of his songs. Twenty-two. 
That was Jeff McCullough of Jumpstart 3. As I mentioned, he has more information available on his website. You'll want to check that out at jumpstart3.com. The other resource I wanted to talk to, I've also mentioned before in this series because I think it's really valuable. It's Memory Peel. It's a tool that's made available by my friends Mike and Nacelle Preby, and it's a static cling technology. It's specially made, but it has scriptures on it. So the idea here is that you can put scriptures on any surface, any hard surface, where you want to see them regularly, something to keep them at the forefront of your mind, and it doesn't leave any residue or anything like that because it's non-adhesive. It's just a static cling. And they have a special series that they developed just for children. So you'll want to check that out at memorypeel.com. With that, we're going to get right back into this week's episode. All right, we're back with Sean and Mayan Steckbeck. We talked a little bit about how Sean and his wife have been involving kids in ministry. Mayan shared a little bit about what's been going on in their family. Now we're shifting our focus because they did just recently get back from a trip to Myanmar. And so my first question is, Myanmar, why, why would you have a kid with you going to a country that's in many ways very adversarial to the gospel? So I work together with Jay Judson. Uh, in Myanmar on a regular basis where I'm part of an international team he's involved with. And this year, Mayan is her bat mitzvah year. This is the year, this is the like a sweet 16 among most Americans. And, you know, you're supposed to get very large gifts, have a very large party. And Mayan came up to me and said, Father, I want to go with you to Myanmar on your mission trip this year for my gift. That's what I want, which really just touched my heart that, you know, out of everything, that's what she would want is she would want to serve the Lord, see healings. And she knew the dangers and she knew the the situation there, but she really had a heart to see these people come to Christ. Man, do you want to say anything? Uh, no, you said. Okay. <laughs> so uh, let's, let's focus on that trip because I know that there was some stuff that happened. Would you mind sharing maybe one or two stories of what God did while you were there? In one of the villages that we were in, a Muslim village, so we were praying for someone, and then I saw this kid, so I told him to come, and then he just came and prayed with us and laid hands on the lady, and that after that, he got baptized after that, so that was really awesome to see that he actually came through that to the Lord, and that really touched me to see that. What, what else happened? Because I know I've seen the pictures on Facebook. I, I know that God did a lot of stuff. With, Je- uh, with Justin Steidinger and Josiah, who was also my aunt's age, I think we went around with uh, our team leader there. Let's just call her Y. We went around into several different villages. And each village we went to, I would say that we started out with words of knowledge and healing the sick. And we brought the team members. One of the things that really touched me is that when... The children, Justin and I mean uh, Josiah and Mayan, were praying for the sick and they were seeing healings and they were baptizing people. The team leaders that are also multiplying micro churches there that are seeing several generations of churches started, they many of them are new to the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And so, one of the things we wanted to do is to model it for them. And so, when they saw Mayan and Josiah, the team leaders that were with us, doing this, One of the team leader's comments, which was a fairly new team leader, he said, wow, if a 12-year-old girl can do this, I can do this too. And so 
I think for, for, for me as a leader together with my friend Jay in this movement, bringing my kids along and seeing this really inspired me because our goal as, you know, a house church multiplication movement is to see leaders multiplied. And when we brought our kids along and they started being used in healing and words of knowledge, that it actually wasn't the Superman white guys come, you know, white adults coming, doing it. It was these 12-year-old kids, and it actually challenged the local indigenous team leaders on the ground to say, if they can do it, I can do it too, which I thought was, for me, that is actually more powerful of a story than even the healings and the baptisms we saw, which we saw over 111 while we were there. But because you know it can continue going forward when the team leaders start doing it and we start using it as a model rather than just us doing the ministry. So you mentioned a little bit about how having basically teenagers doing this has impacted the leadership there. Have you stayed connected? Has has that change continued? I would say yes. I talk to the leadership there and with Jay on a regular basis, Jay Judson. And from what I see from talking, I just talked to them yesterday, they they actually left that and they're starting to heal the sick. There's one story where this was from a prior trip, but from that example, they actually, there was this lady that was bit by a snake and she went to the hospital and the leader had remembered that just right after seeing healing, uh, us being there with praying for the sick and stuff, that they could also heal the sick. So it was kind of funny. He took a glass of water because he mixed it with the Lord's Supper. And so he took a glass of water and he said, this is the blood of Jesus. And this lady can be raised from the dead, the lady that was bit by the snake and died. And mm-hmm. so he put the the water, he blessed the water and said, this is the blood of Jesus. And he put it on this Buddhist lady's mouth and all over her body because, you know, she couldn't drink it. She was dead. And, and she actually got up from the dead. And this story spread, and since this story spread around the villages, this guy actually has a healing ministry going around village to village to people who are sick and actually taking the Lord's Supper. I know this is a little bit challenging theologically speaking, but he actually takes the Lord's Supper with unbelieving Buddhists who are sick for their healing, and they're getting God's graces on it, and they're getting healed. And this is starting opening up doors for new villages being reached and for unreached people groups being reached in in this area, Buddhist, Muslims. And Jesus is getting glorified and multiplication is happening. Wow, that's really cool. Mayan, as, as I'm thinking about this, we've heard a bunch of different stories, but is there anything that you would like to share with people who are listening, the people who are maybe considering taking their children on a missions trip, maybe people who are wondering how to involve their kids? Well, yeah, as missionaries usually take it, no, the kids can't do this, the kids won't do this. Well, every time you take a kid with you, this will make all the people think, hey, this kid just did it, I can do this too. So I think if you want to take your kid, you should totally do it. First, work with him on stories before you take him, and every kid has this because Jesus is with him, and through that, he can do everything with him. So that's just what you need to do. There's no more than what that that you really need to do, because that's the main thing. Jesus, with Jesus, you can do anything. Even a two-year-old, as we said before, can do this. So 
Wow, that, that's powerful. With that, we're going to go ahead and tie a bow on this. We'll take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to shift our focus one last time more toward our listeners. Here's a little bit of what's going on. At this point, I want to take a quick break. I've got an update from Lee Wood, who you may remember from quite a few episodes ago if you've been subscribed to the show for quite some time. He sent me something last week, or I guess a couple of weeks ago, and I wanted to share that with you. This is a a prayer opportunity and also a little bit of what God's been doing. And this is an update regarding a gentleman named Abdu Muhammad. He's a refugee from from Somalia, and Lee met him at a block party that was being attended by a number of refugees from Somalia, Syria, Ethiopia, Myanmar, and others. And he was told how this gentleman, Abdu, was a Muslim in Ethiopia seven years ago and had a dream in which a bright light was shining on him and told him that the Quran was wrong. This voice told him to go to Djibouti. He had no passport, no money, but he went to the bus station and was met by a man who he didn't know who helped him get where he was going. He was taken in and cared for by a bunch of people he didn't know in Djibouti. And while he was there, he heard the gospel and came to faith in Jesus. He immediately began sharing Jesus with Muslims, and he's been tortured, threatened with death, beaten, etc. Now he joyfully says that this is nothing to him. He had another dream about a year ago and was told to come to the United States. He's been there for a couple of months as a refugee. He lives in some apartments across from a house church that they have in their community. And on Saturday, at the time that I received this, he was fasting and praying, and he came over to the block party and began to boldly share the gospel in Arabic with his Muslim neighbors. So please pray for him and for the rest of the group as they co-labor with one another in their community. To me, this is very exciting that I know that God can do this kind of thing, and this is a huge prayer opportunity, so I would ask that you join them in prayer. I also wanted to mention, separate from this, that you may want to check out the Leadership Moment podcast. It's available at engagingmissions.com slash leadership moment. This is a podcast that Scott McClelland of Foundational Missions puts together. He puts something out every week, and he's just finishing up the last episode in a series on leadership transition and some of those things. So I've got a quick excerpt that I'm going to play for you out of that. And then as soon as that's done, we're going to go ahead and get right back into our interview. Today we're talking about in this eighth episode in the series and the final episode in the series, relationship transition. Relationship transition. Now, often we as leaders and as those walking with and alongside leaders, we feel like that the relationship that we're enjoying in the stage that it's in is going to continue just like it is forever especially if it's going well we we have visions of continuity in front of us and we don't want to see it come to an end i this is clearly understandable because we're enjoying god's grace and goodness in a brotherhood relationship a sisterhood relationship where we're being nourished or where our needs for recognition are being met by people who are receiving from us in my experience those relationships do not continue in perpetuity, if you will. All right, we are back with Sean and Mayan Steckbeck. And Sean, as we think about kicking off this last section, as we're focusing on the, the listeners, 
Actually, I guess this could be for Sean or Mayan. What kinds of shifts have you seen since you returned? What kinds of things has this trip made in your life? I think I've really gotten more into this, and it made me really think, well, if I walk on the street and see someone, and I don't tell him that I might be his only chance for him to receive the gospel. So I think that really gave me a step on to really try to share with everyone I see. That's good. And let's let's talk impact for just a second. So this this trip had some impact where you went. We know that there was an impact in the leadership. We know that lives were changed. We know that people were baptized. Has this has coming back from this trip also transformed the community around you and your family and things like that? Uh, one of my friends, she really wants to go on a mission now and my little brother wants to go and it really got them more into this. Yeah, I would say I saw a, cha- a direct change in Mayan's life as well as far as coming home, her relationship with the Lord and and reading her the word and, and getting into his presence as well as influencing those around her, which it, it's contagious and she's become very contagious to everyone around her. Oh, that, that's good. So if, if people are listening to this and they're going, wow, that sounds great. I would like to in some way begin involving my kids in ministry, whether they're taking them with them or they're planning something new, maybe going on a short-term trip somewhere. What would you recommend as a first step, just starting from ground zero, they're believers, but I need to change something to do this? I would say take them out with you just to start making disciples where you are. One thing we practiced with Mayan is we took her out in, in finding persons of peace in our own neighborhood. And that way, when they get to a, a culture that they don't, that they're not necessarily from, cross-cultural context, they've actually done it in their own culture. Teach them how to tell Bible stories and teach them how to hear the, the voice of God and even give them opportunities in their everyday life before they go on a cross-cultural context within their own culture or even within their own small groups. I would say it's very important to involve children not only in a large church setting where they're just sitting down and listening to a sermon or going to Sunday school, but uh, have them involved in a small group context that allows children to participate in the small group. That way they can get practice for cross-cultural ministry when they go. That's good. So as we tie a bow on the whole thing, I'm just wondering if there's a way that if, if people want to connect with you, is there a good way for them to contact you? You can either contact me on my Facebook page, which is Sean Steckbeck, S-E-A-N Steckbeck, S-T-E-C-K-B-E-C-K, or you can go to Global Catalytic Network. Dot org Global Catalytic Network, and I also have my information there in a Global Catalytic Network email address. Okay, that's great. And for those of you who are listening, we'll make sure that all of this is linked up in the show notes, which will be at engagingmissions.com slash Sean and Mayan. And he's, as he mentioned, Sean is S-E-A-N. Now, Sean and Mayan, this brings us to the end of the end of the interview. I'm really thankful for the time that you put together with this. I really appreciate you being here. But before we go, is there maybe one last piece of advice or guidance you'd give to our listeners? I'll let Mayan go after me, but I would say that One of the most powerful verses I think that you could take away from this interview is that God uses the foolish things of the world to confound the wise and not to be scared to use things that are not wise or not that are not lofty, but to use simple things such as children or or even your own weaknesses. Let God use you in your own weaknesses, man. 
Uh, that was great. That's my aunt agrees. <laughs> okay, well, then thank you both very much. I really appreciate you taking the time to do this, and I'll give you back the rest of your Saturday. Thank you very much. Shabbat shalom. I'd like to say one more huge thank you to Sean and my aunt Steckbeck for taking the time to do this, taking some time out of their Saturday so that we could record this. I really appreciate it. It was great to catch up with them, but also it's just a huge privilege to be able to do this. I I really hope that you enjoy it as well. As I mentioned before, show notes are available at engagingmissions.com slash Sean and Mayan. That's where you'll find links to the resources that we talked about, as well as some links to if you wanted to share this with other people on social media. And that's one thing I'd like to ask. If you found this valuable, or if you know somebody who might might benefit from this, please take the time to let them know about it. I hope that this is valuable. I hope that this makes a huge impact in somebody's life, and you might be part of that simply by sharing that with them. So I I would ask that you do this. It is truly an incredible privilege to do this. Also, as I mentioned before, if you want to grab the whole thing when it's all done as a single download, you'll want to visit engagingmissions.com slash children in ministry. That's where you can sign up for our newsletter so that you don't miss the announcement of that. Next week, we have what is planned to be the final episode on this series on involving children in ministry. So you'll want to come back with that. That's where we're going to tie a bow on this whole series. And then in a couple more weeks, everything should be available as that single download from engagingmissions.com slash children in ministry we'll see you next week thanks for listening to the engaging mission show you can find more great content like this along with show notes by visiting engagingmissions.com or by subscribing to the show in itunes or stitcher if you enjoyed the show please leave us an honest rating and review in itunes audio editing was provided by jeff butterworth of sound paradigm studio thanks so much for joining us we'll be back next week